You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. God, you truly are awesome, God. Our minds can barely comprehend the greatness of who you are. Our lips can barely describe the vastness of your presence. God, there's no sweeter place to be than in the presence of the living God. It's it's what we hope for, we long for, not just now, but for all of eternity. God, you bring meaning to our lives. You bring purpose to our steps. Thank you, Father, for revealing yourself to us that we can see you, that we can know you, that we can worship you, we can pray to you, we can open up your word and hear from your voice. How amazing is that? God, I pray that you would have accepted our songs this morning as reflections of our hearts of worship. God, I pray this morning you hear our prayers and you see the sincerity of our hearts as we pray. God, I pray this morning as we open up your word, we just hear your voice, God. It's the greatest voice we can hear is the voice of God Almighty. And draw us close today, God, through the understanding of your word that we might be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning at church. Ephesians chapter 6 and James chapter 5 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 and James chapter 5. You can turn with me in your Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible, if you stick your hand up, uh, I shall be glad to give you a copy of God's Word. Ephesians uh, chapter 6. And James chapter 5, we're going to touch on both because they go hand in hand, Uh, but really we're just going to wrap up our One Another series this morning with this important concept. Uh, This one really envelopes all the others. You get all the others and miss this one, and the other ones kind of are a little bit not mute and void, but they're not powerful, they're not effective, and so God has given us the One Another's that we would get the most joy out of life and he would get the most glory. And so we have to get these concepts. The foundation for it all is Jesus Christ, of course, right? Jesus Christ saved us, put us in the game, set us free to live not for ourselves any longer, but for him and for other people. And he's given us such clear uh, distinction in his word of how we're supposed to live now in light of who we are in Christ and the family of God. And so we've been learning about the one another's in our culture. This is countercultural, the one another's, truly loving each other and serving each other and encouraging each other and working towards humility, to walk in humility towards one another, living in harmony, putting ourselves aside and the betterment of everybody else and hospitality and forgiveness. Remember forgiveness, so crucial. And then of course, bearing one another's burdens. And these are all important truths to live by, but the one that needs to envelope them all is this idea of praying for one another. So we can work our hearts out in doing all the right things and being the people we're supposed to be, but without prayer, there is no power. Without prayer, there is no life transformation in us or in those that we're striving to minister to. Prayer is the invaluable ministry to others that God has given us. 
as prayer evokes the presence and the power and the promises of God. You know what you need in your life more than anything else? You don't need more friends per se. Yes, we need friends. You don't need more friends. You don't need more money. You don't need the better job. What you need is people rallying around you to pray for God's life and God's spirit to be within you that you'd know the fullness of God. That's what you and I need more than anything else. People deeply and desperately praying for us. Amen? Isn't it true that those times of life when it's unbearable, what you value the most is not somebody's word of wisdom, not another slap on the back, not another, you can do it. What you value the most is people putting their arm on their shoulder, weeping tears with you and praying desperately and earnestly for you. This is where the power of God comes alive in our lives. And so we do all the other one another's and miss this one. We really miss it all. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we are to get armored up every single day of our lives, put on the full armor of God and like get ready for battle, folks. Get ready for battle. It's not, it's not easy out there. It's not, it's not Sabo Beach out there. It's the beaches of Normandy outside of here. So get, get, get all geared up. And once you get all geared up, you know what it says in Ephesians chapter 6? Verse 18, read it with me. After you put on all these things, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes for your feet, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. No, you're not. Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication for your own heart and for each other. To that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints Get geared up, but the last piece of armor you put on is prayer. We need to be people of prayer. Paul says in verse 19, and, and pray also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. I can't even fulfill my ministry without you praying for me. For which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly as I ought, not as I should or could, but as I ought to speak. This is God's call on all of us as believers. There's no spiritual gift of prayer. God calls us to be prayer warriors for each other. James chapter five is the supplementary passage I wanna read for you today. If you're there, flip it over. Just flip it over. Keep your hand in both. Because I think Ephesians 6 tells us what to do and gives us the mandate, but James 5 shows us the great significance of prayer and the power of prayer. James 5, 16, therefore... Confess your sins to one another, and here's the one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person, those who are made right before Jesus and are walking in that, has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain. And then he prayed fervently that it would rain. And guess what? God sent the rains from the heavens. There is not just a call to prayer. There's a power in prayer as we take up God's mandate to be praying for one another. Prayer is our lifeline to God. It's our call to God to step in and use his divine power in the lives of those that we care so much about. Here's the first thing I want you to write in your notes as we study this uh, concept of praying for one another. My spiritual family counts on my prayers. 
My spiritual family counts on my prayers. See what it says in the text, praying. First word, praying at all times. So we're supposed to be people of prayer. God calls us church to be a house of prayer. Obviously the church can't pray, the walls can't pray. It's the people inside the church that are called to be, for one of the first and foremost mandates of our lives is to be people who pray. The, this great privilege we've been given to pray. Prayer to Christians is what scuba tanks are to divers. It's our breath, it's our life, it's what keeps us going. Here's what prayer is in its essence. So many people have made prayer all kinds of weird and wonky things. Here's in essence what prayer is. It's so simple. It's communicating with God through active conversation. Because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and taking away our sins, he's taking away the gap that was between us and God, he's made a way for us as believers to be in the very presence of God through him that we can commune with God through prayer. Doesn't that blow your mind for a second? Think of the realities of prayer. And so now we as believers have this great privilege, it's a privilege that we cannot and shall not neglect to take everything into the throne room of God in prayer. It's not just a privilege though, it's a responsibility that we've been given to go into the throne room of God on behalf of others. Prayer isn't telling God things about him, prayer is speaking to him. Huge difference, right? on behalf of what we desperately need, what others need. Think about that for a minute. Just think about this whole concept of prayer. I think we can say prayer in church. We can all nod our heads and smile like, oh yeah, we get it. Think of the reality of prayer for a minute. Just that one word, the significance of the word prayer. You and I, let me say this, you and I get to enter into the throne room of God and converse with him face to face. God. Like, like the king of the world. Like, like the one who speaks and it happens. The, the one who points and it moves. The one who gives and nobody can take it away. The one who controls absolutely everything. We get to talk to him. On behalf of ourselves, but on behalf of others. Prayer can take on many forms. Sometimes we think that prayer is this solemn thing we do in, in the corner of our bedroom on our knees. Yes, it is. There's a, a time and a place for that, just that intimate time of prayer in the quietness of your room. But, but, but prayer can take on many forms. This is, this is a, an all-access opportunity that, God, that Jesus has given us to God. Uh, prayer can happen in standing up. Prayer can happen, believe it or not, with your eyes open. Not just closed. Prayer doesn't mean you have to fold your hands like it says in the little, in the little kids' books. You know, fold your hands. Prayer doesn't, you, can, you can pray driving. You can pray anytime, any place, any instance. You can pray. God's not a God who's a CEO that has like specific office hours on his office door and like, no, busy studying right now. He doesn't need to study. He, knows all, he has all wisdom already. No, preoccupied with bigger issues. God can hold all issues at the same time in the palm of his hands. He can deal with it. 
And so at any time, we can go and talk to God and pray. And the next verse says this, we're to pray when? We're to understand this privilege at all times. We can pray at all times. This is significant for the Jewish people in, in the, in the early, early days when this is written. The Jewish people prayed three times a day, uh, certain times, morning, noon, and afternoon. They had their specific times of prayer. Why did God set it up like that? I think God set it up like that for his people so that they would realize that it's not just when I feel like I should pray. It's not just when I have urgency to pray, just to show them that I need to pray diligently in my life in a detailed and an ordered and an intentional fashion. I believe that's why God set it up for his people. So often we're so prone to like, well, if, if, if I feel like it or if I need to, I'll pray. Well, God had his people set up to pray morning, noon, and night. That's how the Jewish people still operate today. But yet in Ephesians chapter six, we're learning what? We're learning that, that we can pray at all times and we should be praying at all times. Not just for ourselves, but for others. Do you know that God loves it when we pray at all times for others? I think in our, usually the way we think about prayer, we think about the things that are on my list and my request and the things that I need. And yet God loves it when we come into his presence and we're not coming to ask him for anything. We're coming to actually tell him about somebody else that somebody else has needs in their lives. He, he, he loves that. He cherishes that. It shows where our hearts are truly at. For those, of us who have, for those of us who have kids, when you're doing your bedtime prayers at night and you get through the, all the lists of like, can I, will I, you know, God please, and then all of a sudden your kid spontaneously busts into a prayer for some random person you hadn't thought about in like three, three days or three weeks or three years, and you're like, you know, you're, as a parent, your heart just kind of swells. Maya's really good at this. If someone she finds out is sick, she prays and she prays and she prays and she won't end a prayer without praying for that person who's sick until she hears, heals, hears that they're healed. It does my heart so good to hear my kids praying for somebody else. It does God's heart good as well as he hears us praying for somebody else. We're to pray at all times. All times isn't just a when times are bad kind of thing. When we're programmed to pray, you know, times are tough, man. We better pray for them. Like all times means, in the Greek, it means all times. It means when you're down, what happens when you're down? That prayer volume goes like, seems to get turned off. You need other people to pray for you at all times. You need people praying for you. When you're up, generally, again, we get so preoccupied with other things, we forget to pray. When we're up, great opportunity for us. Well, I really don't have anything to pray to you about today, God. Well, how about I pray about other people then because they have needs? When times are good in other people's lives, or times are bad in other people's lives, we pray for them. We know we should pray for them. We get the prayer chains going. We pray, 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 and then things get good again. We stop praying for them, generally, until they go through another hard time. Well, isn't that a foolish thing to do? We don't just pray for people when times are bad. We also pray for them when times are good. Why? Because we need God's presence. We need God to protect us, and God to guide us, and God to strengthen us every single day of our lives. We need to pray at all times. We need to pray in the spirit. What does this phrase mean, in the spirit? It's not this hocus pocus where there's some spiritual stupor you get to that now you can really pray. No, in the spirit is simply this. It's, it's walking with God and being filled with his spirit every day of our lives. Ephesians 5, chapter, 5 verses 18 and 19. Don't be drunk with wine. That 
controls you and leads you to do all kinds of stupid things that you're going to regret the next day, along with your headache. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Here's what the Spirit does. The Spirit also fills us and compels us to do things, but not the goofy things that we're going to be embarrassed about, the things that please and honor God. And so as we daily get up and submit ourselves to God and begin our day with the Bible open and in prayer, here's what the Spirit does. The Spirit fills us and gives us the things of God to long for, the strength of God to walk in them, and he also gives us this, the desire to earnestly commune with him through prayer. And when we're walking in the spirit, what happens is the things that we naturally pray for are displaced with the things that God wants us to pray for. It's, it's, it's like my mind becomes in tune with God's mind. My heart starts beating like his heart beats. And all of a sudden my prayers take on a different flavor because the spirit within me is compelling me to pray for the things that are on the heart of God for those around us. The Holy Spirit is not a hokey-pokey Pentecostal thing. The Holy Spirit is a biblical reality. He is a biblical reality of what God does in us. He gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, included in our prayers. So we can pray a lot of things, but a lot of things I think God's looking at us going, you're missing the point, you're missing the point. We pray in the Spirit, we never miss the point. And we find that our prayers align with the Scriptures. Pray at all times in the spirit. I'm just breaking this down for you with all prayer and supplication. Why does he say prayer and supplication? Isn't prayer supplication? Yes and no. The two words here. Um, first one, prayer. I can't say it really well in Greek, so let's give you the meaning. It's general request. It's praying for the things that everybody needs. So pray constantly for the general things that everybody needs. What are the general things that everybody needs? It's the same things that you need every single day. What do you need every single day? I don't know about you, but I have some things on my list. I need more faith every day. You're the pastor. You're supposed to have faith. I have a little bit of faith, a little teeny tiny little bit of faith that I need God to like make into a big tree of faith. We need courage every day. We need strength to not sin every day. We need strength to walk in righteousness every day. We need God to, to, to hold us together every day when, the, when the, the, the good news comes to keep us grounded, when the bad news comes to keep us standing. We, we need the Lord to keep our marriages together. We need the Lord to raise our kids for us because we're doing our best, but oh my goodness, right? We need God to keep our church together. We need, we need God, the general things to the, you know, pray all the time for all the things. That's for the things you need prayer for. You can just count on everybody else needing prayer for as well. Oh, I think I need prayer for this. No one else does. You're fooling yourself. That's the enemy trying to discourage you. What you need prayer for, everybody else does too. We're all the same. That's the general way. And then the supplications are more the concept of the intercessory prayer. The earnestly and sincerely calling out to God for something specific on behalf of somebody else, this is, the, this is the prayers of like, oh God, if you don't show up, they're doomed prayers. Oh God, they're like, you're their only hope prayers. God, please. They're desperate for you prayers. Supplications. I think we understand the idea of prayers. I'm not sure we fully understand Western church get the idea of supplications. This this is not an easy type of prayer. This is a knowing people well enough to know what's going on in their lives type of prayer. This is like a make you sweat types of prayer. Like I'm not gonna get off my knees until I see God move types of prayers. 
Really what it is is interceding. God, they don't have the strength to get to your throne room, so I'm going for them. Will you come to them? Types of things. The besetting sins, the daily struggles, the unique temptations, the intense hardships that we just need God so desperately for. In essence, God's calling us to be mediators for others in the body of Christ. Intercessors. They're extinct in today's church. Desperately needed. Old Testament, not a new concept. The intercessors in the Old Testament were very clear. People would come to God on behalf of the people. We see it in Abraham and Moses and David and Samuel and Hezekiah and Elijah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. We see them saying, God, like, 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 here they are. Here you are. Can I stand in the gap for them? Can I stand in the gap? New Testament, there's one person that stands in the gap. Who's that? Jesus Christ, Right? Jesus came and when he died on the cross, he stood in the gap. He is the one true mediator we see in the word of God between God and man, and yet he calls us now to come to him as a mediator on behalf of our brothers and sisters. In other words, stand in the gap also through Jesus Christ. So we're called to be intercessors. I've said this already, but I want to emphasize this. There's no spiritual gift of prayer, intercessory prayer in the Bible. Oh, but they're so good at it. You know why they're good at it? Because they actually practice it and live it out. This isn't for the super spiritual. Oh, when I get to maybe my MDiv and I can be a pastor, then maybe it could be an intercessory prayer. Maybe if I memorize whatever book of the Bible, that's not it. The Holy Spirit within us gives us the capacity to pray, to pray hard and to pray effectively for other believers. Look what the next words are, for all the saints. For all the saints. Well, why don't I just pray for myself, Pastor? Well, then you're missing it. Well, I just pray for my own little family. That's all I can handle. Then you're, you're missing it. It's for all the saints. For all the people of God. For those in your life. For those in your small group. For those in your, on your serving team. For those in your church. For those overseas whom you don't even know yet, but you know they're going through persecution. For missionaries, for people you see on Facebook, they're going through hard times. It's, here's, what, here's what Christians have gotten really good at. Telling each other all the news about everybody else and forgetting to tell the one that matters most. God. Well, he already knows. He knows everything. Yeah, yeah, he does but it's an act of faith, it's an act of dependence to come to him and urgently intercede for others. That's why he delights so much in it. We're not telling him anything he doesn't know already. But the act of faith of believers to come and say, God, it's you and you alone. I can't do it. No one else can do it. You're the only one. That's what God loves. And so he says to keep on praying, to have endurance and perseverance in prayer. Not get tired of praying, not to get bored of hearing another sermon on prayer. This is the greatest privilege and responsibility we have as believers, brothers and sisters. Tell me something I don't know. I know I'm not. But I'm calling us to what we do know, that we can be powerful and effective as a church and, and never quit. He says, never quit praying until the day you meet Jesus Christ. You want to leave a legacy? You want to leave an impact? 
from the people around you? You want to make a difference for Jesus? Let me propose this. Live out the one another's, but don't live out the one another's at the expense of deep intercessory prayer. We do that, we miss it all. It's never a bad time to pray. It's always a good time to come to the Father on behalf of others. That's Ephesians chapter 6, 18 in a nutshell. And as we do this, we have to remember that this is where the power of God lies. I think as Christians, we sometimes live as practical atheists. We claim to know the power of God. We know all the right things to do, but then we take things into our own hands to try and figure out and to try and control and to try and solve like it's all up to us. But do you know where the real power is? It's not in you even living out the one another's. It's in God himself. It's in Jesus Christ. That's where the power is. And never underestimate the power of prayer in your life or in others. Prayer unleashes the presence and the power of God. That's, in essence, James 5, 16 and 17. Prayer unleashes the presence and the power of God. Let me read James for you again. Ephesians 6 supposed to pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Covered that. Here's what James 5, why, why? Because you confess your sins to one another and pray for another because that's where healing comes from. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Do you hear that? The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You know what that means? Prayer works. It's not outdated, it's not just for specific groups of people. Prayer works for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. The power of prayer works in our salvation, right? We confess our sins and God forgives us our sins, but it also works in the ongoing sustaining and sanctification of the believer. Prayer is power. Here's what Andrew Murray says about prayer. We must believe that God and the mystery of prayer has entrusted to us with a force that can move the heavenly world and bring its power down to earth. Let me read that again, get this. We must believe that God and the mystery of prayers entrust with us a force that can move the heavenly world and bring its power down to earth. That's what James is saying. When you're sick and you pray, God has the power to heal you. God has the power to even forgive your sins, which is far greater than any physical healing, I think, biblically. Prayed, the prophet prayed for three and a half years that it wouldn't pray, that it wouldn't rain, it didn't rain. Then he prayed that it would rain, the heavens opened up. We see the power of prayer all throughout the scriptures, not just Elijah, who is a man just like who? Just like us. That's in there on purpose, right? Just like us. We see this with the Israelites in Second, uh, second Samuel, sorry, First Samuel chapter four. They were pummeled by the Philistines and kind of walked away devastated, licking their wounds, and so they repented of their sin of not trusting in God in that battle, and they're just starting to get healed again, and they look up, and guess what? The Philistines are coming. The Philistines are coming again. This time in 1 Samuel chapter 7, what they do is they say to Samuel, say, Samuel, can you pray for us in battle this time? Can you just not stop praying for us as we go to war? We already got our butts kicked once. 
Don't want that to happen again. Samuel starts praying, and guess what? God throws the, the Philistine army, which is much more powerful, much more numerous, into confusion. The Israelites win on the power of Samuel's prayer. Another example in Exodus 17 is Moses on the top of the hill as the Israelites are fighting the Amalekites, Amalek, uh, coming after them and starts showing his dependence upon the Lord. And remember, he said he can pray in so many different ways. Sometimes it's a silent hands up in the air. That's a prayer. And so what happens is he's holding his hands up as a sign of dependence and trust in the Lord. And the Israelites are winning. His arms are getting weak and they're starting to fall. And the Israelites start to fall back in the battle. Moses and Ur get on each side. They're like, we're going to prop up your arms, Moses. We're going to prop them up as you pray to heaven on behalf of your people. You know the outcome of that story too, right? Hands propped up. Israel wins. They win. Prayer evokes the presence and the power of God in our lives as well. And we are called to, as brothers and sisters, hold up each other's arms in those circumstances where we are too weary and too tired to do it on our own. We are called to hold up each other's arms, be the Aaron and the Ur on either side of Moses, holding each other up in prayer, trusting God for the victory in every circumstance. The God of the Bible is the same God today that we serve. The things we see God do in the Old Testament, New Testament, the same things God does today as God's people pray. We desperately need to rally around each other with the power of prayer like never before. Read the story this past week of uh, J. Oswald Sanders just helping us see this practically played out in his life. And in 1947, he was traveling on horseback in central China with another missionary. They came up to this spot where there's a narrow pass and it was notorious for robbers and, and people actually getting murdered in that spot. And so the missionary that was with him had warned them. They said, hey, keep full vigilance during this this part of the trek, and eyes open, ready to go. So he went before, and everybody was on high alert. And as they traveled through this narrow pass, they actually came across, as he tells the story, the body of somebody who had just been freshly murdered by people who had stolen and robbed him. Hearts pounding, they were walking through this little pass and came praying their hearts out, came to the other side and made it through, went on their journey and, and got to the place they were going and were doing their ministry that they were doing. And a few days after this whole, a few weeks after this whole thing occurred, uh, Sanders got this letter in his mail from his wife. And she said, honey, I'm praying for you and I just want to ask, did anything specific happen on this certain time at this certain day? Because I was woken up in the middle of the night, middle of the night here, different than China. Woken up in the middle of the night and I had this urgency to pray for you and I couldn't stop praying. I was, I was, I was interceding for you like I've never interceded for you before for strength and protection. Is everything okay? Sanders got out his diary, which is a good little practice to have because you see God's answers to prayer through diaries, right? He looked at the time and the day that his wife was praying for them, he looked in his diary and it was the exact same time that he was passing through that most dangerous pass in China. He wrote his wife back and he's like, honey, God answered your prayers. God answered your prayers. If we could develop that discipline 
to listen to the Spirit when the Spirit tells us to pray, to pray. How much stronger would we be as believers in the faith? And I know you're just like me. I have relied on the prayers of people to get me through every single season of life. So much so that I've asked a number of men around me to be on a prayer list that I send off most Friday mornings. I won't say every, but most Friday mornings just to say, you know what? I need prayer yet again this week for these specific things because I know I can't do it by myself. God had to teach me this the hard way. Even as a pastor, I somehow thought if you just throw up a couple prayers and have good intentions, it's all going to work out well. Missing the power of intercessory prayer. The first time I learned this, around 30 years old in our church, I've shared this with you before, but our church going through a church split, and I was too young and immature to fully handle that all thing, and, and I finally had a little bit of a nervous breakdown, a little bit of a, at 30 years old. I couldn't handle it. I didn't know who was speaking out of what side of their mouth and the things I thought, the people I thought were godly were not godly and church business meetings seemed like more not godly, I guess is what I'll say. <laughs> it was just so overwhelming and, and I went to the pastor and I just like broke down. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't, I, I, this is not what God intended. I can't do this. He gave me a couple weeks off and people prayed, people prayed, people prayed. And I tell you, at that point, I was ready to throw in the old towel. Like, there's, I'm not doing this. Let me sell cars. Sorry if you're a car salesman. It sounds like a good option today, that day. Let me do whatever. You know what kept me going? The prayers of God's people who wept tears over my life. I threw in the towel. God threw it back and said, no way. People are going to pray this, pray you through this. Another season we went through was with Maya when she was first born, and man, that was an excruciating season. It's after I'd resigned from that church, so we were in a little bit of a transition already, and things were already hard, and then, of course, little Maya was born with all her difficulties, and we were at the hospital back and forth for a little while, right at the top, it didn't look good, and they weren't giving us very any assurances, and and I was so overwhelmed with what we'd just been through the church split and now we have a, a hard situation in front of us, this little girl whom we love so deeply and we didn't know if she was gonna make it per se and if she did what she was gonna be like and quite honestly, I'd go to church and I'd stand in the back foyer. I couldn't even pray, I couldn't even sing. I would just, sit, just stand back there and I'd cry because I thought God had left me and I didn't get it. There didn't seem to be hope at all and the future seemed to end at like tonight and yet every time we standing back there somebody come alongside you and they put their arm around you and they wouldn't ask questions they wouldn't give you the speech they just start praying I remember one time getting a random call at like 10 o'clock at night and it was a person on the other end it was a guy from our former church whom I knew quite well and you know what he was he was just like and I was like are you okay is everything okay? He's like, I'm not crying for me, I'm crying for you. And he prayed one of the most profound prayers that I can ever remember over my life in that season. And I look back on that now and I know, I know we didn't carry ourselves through that at all. Not for one second. You know what it was? It was the prayers of the saints. We'd get Facebook messages back when I thought Facebook was cool and was on it. 
Now I realize it's useless and there's no point. <laughs> but back when I was on, we get Facebook messages from people I'd never met before or even heard of from all around places, from saints who had shared with a saint who had shared with a saint who, our church is praying for you. For real? Power in prayer. A week and a half ago, one of those weeks, I'm not going to get to Friday if people don't pray. Wednesday afternoon, my little prayer group, we usually come out Fridays, but you know what, it's Wednesday, but who cares about Friday or Wednesday? Like, I need prayer today. You know, by Friday, the whole week had turned around. Circumstances were still listening. The whole week had turned around in my mind and in my heart. Why? Because the power of prayer. You know what prayer is? Prayer is when the enemy has us pinned in. You know those old war movies when the enemy has us pinned in and there's fire coming from all angles and we think we can't move and there's no hope. Prayer is that call, the call in the air raid and you see the bombers come over. Prayer is the call that says, you know, I, I'm done. And the bombers coming over and dropping bombs on the enemy and let it, setting you free. That's what prayer is. God comes when God's people pray. Here, here's the whole point of these two texts, I believe. We see it in scriptures. Prayer is my greatest ministry opportunity. We're always looking for our spiritual gift and how we're gonna make a difference. Prayer is my greatest ministry opportunity I have in this life. Prayer is it. Prayer is it. We use our voices for so many things. We cheer our hockey teams on. We sing our favorite radio song. What about using it to call it to God on behalf of others? Some of us think our greatest gift is listening. Thankful for you, I'm not good at that. Thankful for you guys. Some of us think our greatest gift is talking, I'm one of those. Some of us think our greatest gift is helping. Those are all good things and helpful things and needed things, but our greatest gift above all is the gift of prayer. Who has a spiritual gift of prayer if they have the Holy Spirit? You do, and I do. 1 Thessalonians 3.10, here's how Paul lived his life. The greatest apostle, I believe, of all time. He wrote half the New Testament. Here's what he says about his ministry. 1 Thessalonians 3.10, he earnestly prayed day and night that God would supply what was lacking in the people's faith. I don't even think Paul was a good preacher, to be honest. I think he was a great prayer. Philippians chapter one, he says, I thank my God always in remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, and for you are all making joy uh, in my heart. In other words, he's saying, I, I always pray, and I'm always praying and thanking God for you and interceding for you. You get this idea that Paul was this guy that my prayer was always on his lips. When, when somebody would pop up in his head, it wasn't a random thought of, hmm, I better send them a text. He's like, man, I better send God a text about them. Just picture Paul in his chair on the way to the next meeting. What's he doing? Probably wasn't talking about the Olympics that were gonna happen soon. It might be a side conversation, a primary conversation. It sounds like from scripture was to God himself. God, where I'm going, be with those people. As people are popping up into his mind. Be with those people. I picture Paul as he's saying grace before his meal. God, thank you for this food. But before he says amen, and I got a couple people in my heart that you need to know about. You need to do something in them. I see Paul as he's going to bed at night, not just saying, God, give me a good night's sleep. 
But God, watch over me and everybody else that I know, the church here and the church there and the person here and the person there. You see, Paul, he says he's laboring day and night. What's that mean? It means he doesn't just pray all day. It means in the middle of the night. He spent most of his night, many nights, I believe. By God's grace, God waking him up, what was he doing? Not wrestling and not, not mapping out his, his latest plan of, of how he's gonna do next house renovation. What was he doing? He was praying for people. I believe Paul's greatest ministry was prayer. I believe our greatest ministry ought to be biblically prayer. Laboring in prayer is the way the scriptures say it. What's that mean? It means prayer's not easy. It means prayer doesn't come simple. And it's not even for the faint of heart. It means having enough faith to keep on praying, but even when I'm done praying, till sweat comes and tears flow, and I know that I can't get off my knees until I see God move. That's how I need to be prayed for. That's how you need to be prayed for. We're so flippant in prayer today. We treat prayer like drive-through. Place my order. Well, where is it? It's been 30 seconds now. I got places to go. One another's. You want to know if you really love one another and care about one another? You'll invest in praying for one another. That means you know people. That means you get to know people, let people get to know you. That, that means you invest your life in praying for others. Even as I study this text, just these two verses, you know what I realize in my own heart that is a reality that's not fun to admit, but it's real. I think it's probably a reality in most people's hearts here, not everybody, but even most, is my capacity to pray needs to grow in breadth and depth. My capacity to pray for you needs to grow in breadth and depth. I like to think that I'm a decent prayer. I have nothing in prayer when it comes to what God's called us to. My capacity needs to grow in breadth and depth. What do I mean by breadth? I mean that, that we see in scripture that we're supposed to pray for all the saints. All of them. How can you possibly pray for all the saints? How many saints are there in the world? I don't know, but too many to pray for, right? I think the concept is pretty simple. I'm not trying to take on the weight of every believer in every part of the world, but the people you know, the, all the saints in your sphere, pray for them. Man, if you're not praying for your own family with diligence, if your prayers for your wife and your kids and your immediate family for their salvation, those things that you're praying for, think, if you can summarize those in about 15 seconds per day, let me just tell you this, you're missing it. Even if it's like a minute and a half a day, if a minute and a half of your day is given to praying for those around you, something's backwards in your understanding of prayer. Breath means that I'm gonna take the people that I know in my sphere of influence and I'm gonna to commit to really, truly praying for them. My wife, my kids, I love them more than spending 25 seconds of a token prayer. I'm gonna pray for them this week in all the ways they need prayer for. My small group isn't just gonna be a quick prayer at the end of small group. It's gonna, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna keep praying for you during the week. The people you serve with, this isn't just a high five, we made it through another Sunday. Woohoo! No, can I know you so I can pray for you? Your pastors and elders and staff desperately need prayer. We don't have it all together. Trust me in that. Sure you do. You're delivering a sermon right now. Yeah, through much what? 
prayer. We can't lead you without prayer. Are you kidding me? We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We don't have the answers. We need prayer. What about other believers, even in the people that you know and churches around us? It's not just about our church. It's, it's all saints, not just in the harvest world or the Baptist world or the Pentecostal world. It's all saints. Well, missionaries that you know, pray for them. Pray for them. Again, persecuted church. Well, I don't even know them. Who cares? Hebrews chapter 13, 3 says, pray for those who are in prison and hurting as if you were one of them. There's websites with all kinds of places you can go and just start praying. You don't have to know the person's name. Remember who does? God knows. I see our prayers for the persecuted churches is holding their hands up in prison. Like, like can you imagine being in prison and shackled? They're holding their hands up. Pray for our governments, the Bible says. Christians, pray for God's grace and strength to stand. Unbelievers in the government, pray for their salvation. Lost souls. It's for all the saints. We can throw lost souls in here too, man. If we're not praying for lost souls, but for our own comfort, man. Praying for widows and orphans like they matter because they do. Let me assure you, you don't need to know everything about everybody even in this church to be strong in prayer. I know we want to know everybody's stuff and what is going on in everybody's life, but you know what? Can I encourage you with this? Focus on those you do know and pray like it matters. And you might not have time to pray for anybody else. I was encouraging someone in this last week and I was like, and I, just in praying for our, our staff and elders and families, like my prayer capacity needs to be expanded. That's why we have flock leaders and small groups. We make sure that everyone's prayed for in a healthy, abundant way. Here's the application, really. Start praying. It's the heart of God for you. It's the heart of God for her. Start praying. Start talking about somebody. Talk to God on their behalf. Instead of telling somebody else the news, tell God the news. When you have the inkling to send a text, send the message to God first, then the text. When you have spare time or you're just in your car and you've got nothing to do, instead of cranking the music, crank the volume in prayer. Oh, it's going to change your life. It's going to change our church. Even do this. If you don't have are in the habit of this, it's a simple concept, yet it's so powerful. Start a prayer list. Like, how do I keep track of all these people to pray for? Exactly. And God's given us smartphones. I think they're stupid, but they're smart in some ways. There's a way you can use your stupid phone to be smart. Start putting them in. Monday, I'm going to pray for all of my family. List them by name and all the things you know about them. And Tuesday, I'm going to pray for my small group. And Wednesday, I'm going to pray for our staff and elders. And Thursdays, and you can figure it out. You're all smart people. I'm just giving you some ideas. Like, like, and then when, then when they're answered prayers, put a little like, woohoo, even if it's a no. Because that's sometimes God's grace to us, Right? If there's no answer, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. I need to grow. We need to grow in the breadth of our prayers. We also need to grow, I think, in the depth of our prayers. Even as I hear people pray, often I'm noticing the same themes over and over and over again in our prayers. God bless them. Make their life comfortable. Keep them from all harm. Help them have success in absolutely everything they do so there's absolutely no reason to really rely on you at all, basically is what we're praying. 
And I wonder if the depth of our prayers needs to grow because as I read, read scripturally the, the prayers that they're praying for all the saints, what's Paul asking for prayer for in Ephesians 6? He's not asking that the chains would be removed and all opposition would be stopped in his life, is he? No, no. He's not saying, pray for me. My ankles hurt today. Pray for me. The chains are a little too tight. No, he's like, pray for me like for boldness. Boldness in the gospel for which I am enchained to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray for me in boldness. Pray that the message goes forward. Pray that I don't cave when that wave of opposition comes. Pray that I don't drown. It's not wrong to pray prayers of health for sure. James 5, right? If you're sick, pray for you. Pray for you. If you're cheerful, sing. You know, singing can be a form of a prayer. That's why he says that. If you're in sin, pray. Like there's, there's, it's not wrong to pray for health, for sure. God still does miracles today. Believe it, he does. It's not wrong to pray for success and some of those things and for your son or daughter to make the most out of their life. It's not wrong to pray for those things. But, but what about some of the deeper prayers of Scripture? You look at, just study prayer over the whole of Scripture and you find even Paul, 41 times Paul prayed in Scripture and none of them were to do the superficial things that we pray for today. Here's the themes of some of Paul's prayers in Scripture. Comfort for those who are grieving or hurting. Faith, more faith, God. Love for God and others, that, that we would see God's incredible love, that we'd have peace in the midst of whatever we're going through. He prayed for hope and for sanctification, that we become more like Jesus. He prayed for gospel advance and salvation. He prayed that we'd be thankful in all circumstances. He prayed that we'd have spiritual wisdom and understanding. As the primary things he prayed for, not the secondary. Again, not minimizing the other things, but I think we need to grow in depth of our prayers to see the full power of God come alive. It's not God give me a warm sunny days and straight easy ways so I succeed in everything. It's praying God glorifying Christ-centered prayers even if it takes me to the brink of death and beyond that I'll be faithful to the Lord to the end. Here's some of Paul's prayers you can write down and study uh, this week. Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 23. Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 21. They're on the screen. You can just write them down. To grow in the depth of our prayers. For spiritual things that, and physical things that, that matter most. Think of how Jesus prayed. Jesus, our ultimate example, the one who gave his life for us, the one who stands in the gap for us, the one whom we're praying to on behalf of others. Listen to some of his prayers in the Bible. Matthew 6, of course, the Lord's Prayer, right? He does pray, like, give us our daily bread, our daily provisions, but lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from what? Evil. Help us walk in the ways of God. Help us stand firm in the face of persecution is what he prays there. He prayed for these things in the scriptures. He prayed for their faith in Luke 22. He prayed against temptation in the lives of believers. John 17, Jesus' most famous prayer, the high priestly prayer, the last prayer he prayed, one of the last things off his lips, he prayed this for believers. Not that we'd have a nice, easy, comfy life. He prayed these things. He prayed, God, keep them. In other words, protect 
them. Don't let one of them slip out of your grasp, which he won't, he promises. He prayed for sanctification and righteousness. He prayed to become more like Jesus, even in the difficult. He knew difficult was coming. He warned us difficult was coming. He prayed, don't let him cave, Lord. Help him to grow in righteousness and sanctification. Help him become more like Jesus. He prayed for our unity. Don't let the hard times divide them. He prayed that God's will would prevail. He prayed that we would prevail until we meet Jesus in John 17, 24. Even think of Jesus in the last days of his life. After he prayed this prayer, what did he pray in the Garden of Gethsemane? Your will be done, O God. Your will be done. He prayed on the cross, you know, forgive them. God, your your grace, will it rain? Will your grace rain? He prayed, ultimately, God, will your glory dominate in everything? And Jesus prayed, believing that God hears and answers our prayers. Holy Spirit, it tells us, interceding for us. As we pray, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us in Romans chapter 8. Jesus is actually at the right hand of the Father, not just hanging out. He's interceding for us as well. He knows and he believes that God hears and answers our prayers. You know the greatest thing you can do for each other today? Pray for each other. Greatest thing we can do for you as a church? Pray for you. You can put something on your prayer cards that we'll pray for. You can come to the front and let us pray for you. It's not because we're smart and we have all the answers. It's because we want to bring you to the place where you experience the power and the presence of God no matter what you're going through. And let's be honest. We all desperately need prayer. More than we're ever willing to admit and more than we'll ever know. But when we intercede and let others intercede, we can go to places we never knew we could go in the power of Jesus' name. Let me read for you in closing as the worship team comes a poem by Alfred Lord, Alfred Lord Tennyson, who's an English poet from way back when. He pens it so well to help put the nail in this point. To help us understand the power of intercessory prayer. There is a place where you, thou canst touch the eyes of blinded men to instant perfect sight. There is a place where thou canst say arise to dying captives bound in chains of night. There is a place where thou canst reach the store of hoarded treasures and free it for the Lord. There is a place upon some distant shore where thou canst send the worker and the word. Where is that secret place thou dost ask? Where? O soul, it's the secret place of prayer. Prayer is what shapes the church and the world around us. It is the most powerful influence we can have in the life of another. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the One Another series which reminds us of our privilege and responsibility to be involved in other people's lives. Thank you, God, for the greatest privilege and greatest responsibility ever, the power of prayer. Father, would you drive this sermon deep into our hearts, not just that we know it in our heads, but that we live it out. Would we leave here today resolved, God, every one of us to be intercessors for those you've placed in our lives. Oh, God, may we not neglect this most awesome gift of prayer. And Father, I want to pray for those, even in this church today, that are hurting. 
all the saints, God, that are walking in here with hardships and struggles. Father, would you be near them today? Would you allow them today to cast their burden upon you, knowing that you care for them? Father, would they not be ashamed to ask people to pray for them? Would people gather around them and heartfelt, earnest prayers be heard from you, from your people today? Even this morning after church, as we gather around and stand in the gap for those that are too tired and too weak to really stand up for themselves. God, would you minister this morning through the power of prayer. God, I pray for those today that are in a great place and they're feeling like they're on top of the world. God, would you allow this season of their lives to be invested in more prayer for others who might not find themselves in that place? Would you encourage them today, God? Would you protect them with all spiritual protection? Would you give them faith and fill the gap of faith of what they need to even put the one another's into practice? And God, our heart's desire simply is this is a church that we'd see you, that we'd know you, and we'd experience your presence, not just individually, but as a body of believers, loving and serving and encouraging and walking humility and harmony and forgiveness bearing each other's burdens and praying desperately for each other. Make us, God, I pray, a church that lives this out, that the world might see Jesus and we might experience your glory. In your holy name, amen.